Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a seat for just a minute. Um, we're going to move just kind of right into our baby dedication uh, portion of our service before we dive into the Word here in a minute. And um, before, before we do, I just I want to explain to you what uh, what this is for us as a church, the role that this plays in the lives of our families. And so for us uh, here at Lindsay Lane East, um, we do, uh, we, we, we know other churches around, and maybe even some of you uh, grew up um, in a church that does baptize babies. Um, that's not what we do here. We believe that, uh, that, uh, that uh, the child needs to, to make a profession of faith before they're baptized. So that's not what this service is for us. This service is a commitment time for our families, for their families, and for our church to commit together to make an impact um, in, in the kingdom of God through raising this child as best we possibly can for the glory of God. And so uh, we're all, if you're in the room today, you're going to participate in the service. Isn't that fun? Okay, all right, good. So um, again, we believe that uh, uh, that it, it, parents don't just raise children. There's a, It takes a village, you heard that term, right? And so uh, for these families that have gathered together today, they've chosen to be part of this village. And so I'm going to ask a commitment from the parents. I'm going to ask a commitment from the families that have come to be a part of uh, this service. And then I'm going to ask a commitment from us as Lindsay Lane East family, okay? Um, so here's what we're going to do. I want to share with you first. The, uh, the, the family, we had one family here that was first service, and this is the Richardsons. This is Josh and Morgan Richardson with big brother Ellison and baby Adeline, and she's so sweet. All right, um, and then what we're going to do, so for the eight that are coming up here today, uh, Marcella, you're going to actually get us started, and if you'll go all the way to the end, okay? This is the Dolans. Um, this is Marcella and her kids, Deanna, Raiden, and Torin, and Miss Bonnie J helping her out because her hands are full. Just go down as far as you can, Marcella. All right, the next uh, baby is Lawton. Baby Lawton. This is her mom, Miss Dawn, and Grandma coming up with her. So y'all just kind of stand back there a little bit. Beautiful. Then next we have, just going in alphabetical order, we have Baby Drew. Baby Drew, Murray and Leanza Kilmurray. Next we have are the Reeds, the Reeds, Clay and Bethany, and their two boys, Oakley and Sturman, Sterling, sorry, Sturbaby, Sturman, Sterling. And next we have Magnolia and Camellia, and their parents, Gatlin and Randy Ray Wheaton. sweet baby girl. Next we have um, uh, Emmett, baby Emmett, Mike and Brooke White. We thought he looked too cool in those sunglasses not to use that picture. Uh, parents Mike and Brooke White and big sister Ansley. We only 
got one more to squeeze in, Miss Terry. If you'll, we got this. We got this. And then we have baby Martin with mom and dad, Nick and Kelsey Ray. We fit. We did it. We did it. We did it. All right. Very cool. So I know there's a lot going on up here, so I'm going to try to be quick, okay? I'm going to come down here, though, just because I want to I talk to parents for just a minute and you guys, too. Um, having children is not something that should be taken lightly, and I know you guys know that. Um, the tax credit is awesome, but that's only a small part of what these babies do. Um, God's Word actually says, and this is hard for parents to hear, but God's Word says that children are to be arrows in the hands of an archer. Psalm 127, 3 and 4 says, Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward. Hear that? A reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. The psalmist says, first off, that children are a blessing. I know for you that have little babies, as you're up half the night and you're losing sleep, just remember that they are a blessing. But then he goes on to say that they are like arrows in the hand of the warrior. This is tough to hear when they're this age, but I think it's important for us as parents to see this. Children are meant to be launched out. It's not your job to meet this child's ever waking need for the rest of their life to the point that they de- become dependent on you forever. It's the job of every parent to teach their children how to care for themselves. Arrows are not meant for the quiver. Arrows are meant to be sent. So today I am asking, uh, for those of us as Christians, it's even more important, an even greater responsibility. We're not just to teach them to be fully functioning citizens. We have the responsibility of teaching them what God's word says, who God is, and how they can follow hard after Jesus, even in the midst of difficulties. Arrows are not meant for the quiver, parents. They are meant to be sent. So now, today, I'm asking each of you to make a commitment. I'm asking you as your pastor. And I will in turn ask a commitment from grandparents and family and friends and then a commitment from this church family. If you you commit to it, just say, we do. We do. I do. If you want to just speak for yourself, however. Okay? Parents, do you commit with the Spirit's help to raise this child according to the principles found in God's Word? Do you commit to teach them the gospel of Jesus through the way that you live your life and the way they see you interact with the world? Do you commit to prepare this child with God's help physically, emotionally, and spiritually to be sent out of your home, to be used however God sees fit according to his glory and the good of man? Now, I'm going to stand up here. Family and friends, if you came today to take part in this service with them, do you commit to play your particular part in the preparation to launch these children out one day? as fully devoted followers of Christ to be to the best of your ability? Do you commit to follow the lead of these parents whom God has placed in the role of the primary disciple makers, doing your best not to hinder their work or overstep it? And do you commit to show grace to these parents as they grow while standing ready to give advice and wisdom when it's asked for? Awesome. And now Lindsay Lynn East. Do you commit to play your part in the same preparation for launching by serving faithfully here as God has equipped you? Do you commit to encourage, challenge, and pray for these parents as they seek to see disciples made in their home? Do you recommit to raise the children in your own home according to these same principles? 
Amen. Listen, here's the cool thing. If we'll all do this sucker together, like we can actually see these children raised up for the glory of God and the good of man, we can see that happen in this generation. It's a beautiful thing when we work together. If we all play the role that God has for us, it's a beautiful thing. So I want to pray now a prayer of blessing after we give them a gift. Or I'm going to tell you about the gift. Let's do that. Uh, today, we're going to give all of our families our Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, this is an important important book for us. Um, we're going to give them as they come down, Mr. Terry. Or you can give them to them now, if that's okay. They may have their hands full. But y'all look at me. All right, this is a book, uh, Jesus Storybook Bible. This is important for our kids' ministry because one of, the, one of the pillars of our kids' ministry is to teach our children that God's Word is one story from beginning to end and that at the center of it is not man, but Jesus Christ himself. And so this book walks through all those Old Testament stories and shows how Jesus is at the center of all of it. And I know I'm being upstaged right now, so I'm just going to hush and pray, okay? Because <laughs> they're all, they're, they're antsy, all right? So I want to pray just a prayer of blessing over these awesome families, and then y'all can, y'all can be dismissed, okay? You pray with me over them. Father God, we thank you for the blessing that children are. And God, I thank you that for these parents that stand on the stage, God, the, the task that you've that they've been given, uh, God is is uh, sometimes it feels overwhelming. God, sometimes it feels uh, that they. I'm sure these parents do as I do, uh, feel like they're just butchering it. But God, I pray um, that God in the in the moments of difficulty. God, that you'd encourage them, you'd lift them up, and God, let them know that what they're doing is important, but God, that it is hard. God, I pray that you'd use these families, grandparents, aunts, uncles, God, whoever may have gathered today, friends, to take part in this service, God, I pray that you would use them as voices of encouragement when they need it, and God, I pray for us as a church that we'll be here, God, that the people of Lindsay Lane East would use their gifts and talents, and God, serve in the nursery and serve in the kids' ministry. God, serve at VBS to partner with these parents so that they, we, can, we can make gospel kingdom impact through the lives of these kids, uh, God, as one day they trust in Christ and can look back on this day and know that all the prayer and all the work was worth it. Father, I pray a prayer of blessing over these families. God, use them for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can come down. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. Yeah, and Miss Terry's fixing a walkover if anybody needs to go to the kids building you're welcome to not adults only kids y'all are stuck with me and I will say for for those of you that may have parents or grandparents or if you are parents or grandparents and you don't have a copy of God, of of, uh, of the Jesus story Bible man it's such a cool thing we we read it to our kids especially when they're younger and still pull it out from time to time uh it, it's a really 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 cool book and so um you can talk to Miss Terry, and we can get you a copy if you can't find one, but honestly, Google it, right? Amazon, little local bookstore has it um, online. You can find that. All right, um, open up in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. That's where we'll be in just a moment. 
We are continuing in this uh, part two uh, series through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, what we're finding in, in Mark chapter 9 and forward is that uh, whereas the first eight chapters, Jesus spent a ton of time with the multitudes. He spent a ton of time preaching in front of large groups. And now what we're beginning to find are some of these, uh, these iconic moments with just Jesus and his disciples. And so last week we looked at the moment in which uh, Jesus and three of his disciples that, that he seemed to trust the most with his ministry, they climbed a mountain together and experienced uh, what we called last week a heaven-on-earth moment um, that, that only could be described that way. Um, it was very otherworldly for them, no doubt. Uh, you can check out that message if you missed it, but as these three disciples and Jesus come down the mountain, what they find is that there's a dispute going on at the bottom of the mountain. They find that... Um, they find that the nine disciples who were left uh, at the foot of the mountain that didn't get to climb um, had tried to heal a young boy who was possessed by demons, but they couldn't. And some of the religious leaders of the day were giving them a hard time about it and questioning the authority that they, they said they had. And so we're not going to look at that story, but I encourage you to read it because what we see is that Jesus has great compassion on the boy and his father who brought him to Jesus, and he heals uh, this, this young boy of uh, this demon by driving it out. It's a pretty crazy moment, but um, I don't, I'm not going to focus there, because, but it's important for context that we see what's just happened. But we're going to start in verse 33 um, is where I want to start reading because the, this, the, from here to the end of chapter 9 really, I think, tightly fits together. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. So let me read verses 33 through 35, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and, and talk some more, okay? Uh, they came to Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples. When he was in the house, he asked them, Hey, uh, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve disciples to him and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for... Uh, today and what it represents, God, the baby dedication side of things, and God, uh, we are so thankful uh, that you've blessed this church family, God, with so many young families, and uh, God, we pray uh, that we would uh, take seriously the commitment that we've all just made together today, um, but God, we pray now for this portion of our service, God, that you'd open our eyes to the truths of your word, and God, uh, may you leave no stone unturned in our hearts, God, as we seek to, to honor you uh, today, and um, God, we we. We ask you uh, to teach us to know you today, and we ask that you be with us. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I have two children, ages eight and six, and with both of our kids, judge me if you want, we didn't find out what they were going to be. Uh, we thought that would be fun, wound up being very, very stressful, but if you ever do, if, 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 you're, a, if you're a young family and you're, you're thinking about having a kid, whatever. Um, do it just for the sake of the mess that it puts everybody else in. <laughs> like the only way that we kept our sanity through the whole thing is that it was driving everybody else nuts. And so we got to laugh about it and have a good time. Um, but we didn't know uh, what we we're going to do. The doctors were excited. Every nurse we had was so pumped. Nobody knew on the day that Elsie Joe was born. Um, no one knew what she was going to be. And so um, we actually didn't decide on the name Elsie Joe until the night before of Kelly's scheduled C-section. And I know that makes some of y'all panic. And like you get, you're, you're freaking out just thinking about us in that situation. But we were eating wings at Beauregard's 
as anybody should do the day before a surgery. Um, and so we decided on Elsie Joe there at, at Beauregard's. Elsie is an old family name for Kelly on her side. Um, and then Kelly uh, loves those two name uh, names for girls. And so we went with Elsie Joe. Uh, then Daniel came along, which again, we didn't know what he was going to be. Um, but we decided a little bit earlier with him, we decided to go with some strong biblical and heavy family names. And uh, so Kelly's dad's name is Danny. My dad's name is Joe. So we went with Daniel Joseph. And uh, so pretty pretty strong biblical names too uh, for us. And Joseph is my one of my favorite, if not my favorite Bible character. Uh, just everything he went through and, and how God used his story to bring about God's people is incredible. Uh, side note, that's the content for our VBS. So you should sign up. To help and sign your kids up to come. VBS.LindsayLaneEast.org. Commercial over. I say all that to say, names are important, right? Like whether it's baby names that we're deciding on, whether it's nicknames that we give to each other, like names are important in our culture. Names are very important. In the Bible, the name of God is very important. The term, the name, becomes a theme throughout the biblical story, throughout the whole storyline. And so what we're going to talk about today, what we're going to see in, the, in the, really this one story that ha, kind of has commentary on both sides, um, what we're going to find is that the focus of every follower of Jesus must be the name, the name, not a name, not your name, the name of Jesus. And uh, it should drive everything that we do. And so uh, the, the problem is we get it all messed up and jacked up and, and butchered, okay? And the first way we do that is what we're seeing the disciples do here. We're gonna, the disciples are going to give us a great, a great a picture of how often we mess things up. Uh, the first, if you're a note taker, only two points today. Um, point number one, our name over his. This is oftentimes what we, what we choose. We choose our name over his. Now, that's what we see going on with the disciples earlier, right? The verses I read. So this is, this is the way I picture it. Y'all know I'm a visual person. I like to envision things in my mind of how it went down. Um, I have two kids, and we go on a road trips sometimes. Who loves a road trip with preschoolers and young kids? Uh, Patrick, awesome. Uh, cool. Patrick will carry your kids anywhere you want to go. Um, I, I, I don't. I struggle because... Uh, I don't like driving anyway, and then having kids fight with each other in the back seat just makes it all the more unbearable. And uh, so I, I picture, if you've ever, when we ride around with our kids, oftentimes um, they do this thing where they they know if they fight with each other that um, that they'll get in trouble. So they'll whisper, you know what I mean? Like the car's that big that we can't hear. Um, or they'll punch each other really low. You know what I mean? They won't punch up high. They'll punch down low because we can't see that in the rearview mirror, you know? This is what this is what our kids do. If yours don't, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, like, this is what I pick. So Jesus' disciples, they're on this road trip. They're traveling. It says that they were there. They came to Capernaum. They've been traveling on this, on this way, and they were talking the whole time. The, Mark tells us they were discussing on the way. They were arguing on the way with who was the greatest? Can you imagine that conversation? By this point, Jesus has already sent them out to perform healings. No doubt, they were bragging about who had healed more people, who had driven out more demons in the past, or whatever. Like they, there was these 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 marks. Hey, I I healed four people. How many did you get? You know. And then Peter, James, and John that we talked about last week. No doubt, they're like, hey, y'all didn't even get to go up the mountain with him. 
So, you know, like we did. Right? And so this is what's going on. There were probably punches in the arms that were exchanged. But the whole conversation sounds like two kids arguing in the car, assuming that Jesus can't hear them. And then the worst thing imaginable happens. They get where they're going, and Jesus says, Hey, I overheard a conversation on the way here. What were you guys talking about? Which is a total dad move, right? Like he knows. But he's like, hey, what, what was that about? And just the, Mark just tells us that no one answered because you wouldn't either. But Jesus doesn't even, uh, doesn't even acknowledge that they don't answer him. He simply, we see in verse 35, he sits down. He called the 12 to him and he says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. You see, on top of being the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus was also a rabbi, which is a Jewish teacher. And much of the way he talks and teaches follows suit with the practice of first century rabbis. First century rabbis had it made. They didn't have to stand up to teach like I do. They got to sit down. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, to get to sit down while I'm preaching. That would be so fun. That's what they did. So that when Jesus says that they sitting down, he called the 12. That's what's going on. Jesus is sitting down. And when the rabbi sat down, everybody knew what that meant. Get your notebooks ready. Right? <laughs> Get ready to learn. This is fit. So Jesus sits down. I heard in the first service, people said, Heath, you could sit down. You could have a stool or something. But the, everyone that listened to the rabbi also sat at his feet on the ground. So I don't think y'all want to go that far, though. Right? Get rid of the chairs. Have some pillows. Okay, there's, all right, we'll do it then. All right, nobody spoke up. All right, um, but here, this is what Jesus is doing. This was the posture of teaching and learning at the time. The, the rabbi would sit down, the disciples would come to sit at his feet. And the great rabbi gives some advice that already goes hand in hand with some of his difficult messages that he's said so far. And he says, if you want to be first, you must be last and servant of all. Um, Jesus is getting at, again, he knew what conversation they had had, but he's hitting at something that is the core of every human being, the desire for power. Um, I'm not a philosophy nerd by any means. I struggled through those classes when I had to take them in college and seminary. But I do remember this name, Friedrich Nietzsche. He was a German philosopher in the late 1800s. The reason I remember him is because he hated Christianity. But anyway... Um, but he talked often of something that I think is helpful, and that is this desire for power. He said there's a desire for power or a will for power that drives human behavior. We want to make a name for ourselves at all costs, at all costs. Um, and this, this is not something new. Uh, the Bible actually tells us that this is what was already happening. When you see, um, uh, so God creates everything, he creates Adam and Eve, and then there's, in Genesis 3, there's this fall where Adam and Eve sin. And God has to remove them from his presence. And then humanity begins to live apart from the presence of God. And, and there's some of them that are following God, and then there's some of them that aren't. And it gets so bad at one point that God starts the world all over again with a guy named Noah. And he says, look, sin is rampant. This is in a bad shape. Let's start back all over. And so he floods the earth and saves Noah and his family. And then you think, surely it'll be good now, right? No. It tanks again from Genesis 6 all the way through to Genesis 11. What we're seeing or, hear, or we're hearing are story after story of how, God, how, how the earth is filled with humanity who are just 
bad over and over and over again. Then we get to Genesis 11. It's this peak, this, this high point in which the, the humanity comes together and says, you know what? Let's build a city for ourselves. Let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens. And this is the quote from verse, Genesis 11, verse 4. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. When Jesus, Jesus knew this, he knows what's at the heart of these disciples of his. He knows that in their heart is the same thing. I want, to, I want my name to be great. I want to be known for something. Don't, don't you want to leave a legacy? Don't you want to make an impact in the world? Of course we all do. And Jesus here is hinting at that. And then instead of saying, okay, hey, hey, be first. Strive to be first. Strive to get ahead of everyone else. He said, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If I want to be known, this is the way the world views it. If I want to be known, if I want to, if I want to have my name known, I've got to do whatever it takes to get ahead of these other losers. Right? This is why oftentimes in business and in relationships, when you see someone on top, often they got there on the backs of those around them. They used previous relationships to garner their own position. There's a stream of bodies and broken relationships behind several sex successful people. And I think what God's been revealing in my own heart is that that desire is still in your pastor too. There's still a sinfulness within me that wants my name to be great. Right? Like even when y'all tell me at the door, hey, great, great message, Heath. I know that wasn't me. If God spoke to you through the message, I know it was God. But there's Satan in my heart going, hey, did you hear that? Hey, they said you did a good job. Good job, good job, good job. Right? And oftentimes, I, oftentimes we as human beings can look like the, the football player, the wide receiver, right? Every time he makes a big play, he comes up, beating his chest, right? Talking trash to the other players about how he's better than them. But then at the interview, what does he always say in the interview? I'm going to give thanks to God for my ability. Let me play this game. Dude, you played the game like it was all about you. Don't act like God's, like you, you know what I mean? And so it can't be both. For me as a pastor, me as a dad, me as a husband, either I got this way because I'm good or God made me this way and God helped me get here. It can't be both. Either God gets the glory or I, or I do. And what I'm finding is that still, even though I know, I know I don't deserve to stand here and preach every week. I don't deserve to be a, 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 a husband to such an awesome woman. I don't deserve to be a dad to two wonderful kids. I don't deserve to be your friend. But I know that God has placed me in those situations and he, through his power and his spirit, he helps me. But still there's this part of me that is sinful and, I, and I'm probably the only one in the room, right? You guys don't struggle with this. Praise the Lord. But this is what we've got to wrestle with. Is it our name above his? Are we living our lives this way? And then Jesus, Jesus just really, um, uh, for his disciples, they would have felt even worse when Jesus said this. So sitting down, you know, he says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last um, and a servant of all. There's a context piece of this that I skipped, and I did it intentionally because I want to look at it now. Right before the disciples are having this conversation about who's important, you know what Jesus told them? Verses 30 through 32 of chapter 9, Jesus had just said, the Son of Man has got to be led away and be killed. See, there's, there's one 
there's one uh, there's a thing called having a having a, uh, an unhelpful conversation, but there's also having an unhelpful conversation at an unhelpful time. This is one of those moments. Like this was a conversation that should never have been had. Disciples, who's the greatest? But it happened at such a weird time. Jesus has just told them, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And on the way home, they're like, hey, who's, who's better, me or you? Who do you think? You know, like, this is, this, they are missing it. They're arguing about whose name will be greater right after Jesus just talked about dying for them. They are missing the whole thrust of Jesus' ministry and calling on their lives. Because we need humility in our walk with Jesus. We talked about that just on the first week um, of this series. Making much of Jesus is the kicker. But we can personally live this, and I think we can do it as a church. I think if we're not careful, this community will hear from these doors and from our mouths, Lindsay Lane East, Lindsay Lane East, Lindsay Lane East. And that's awesome. But what do they need to hear more than Lindsay Lane East? I don't know what the cheer would sound like, but Jesus, right? They need to hear more than the people in your life need to know that you love Lindsay Lane East. They need to know that you love Jesus. And that's hard for me, again, because I want people to come here because I think we've got something good. I think this is fun. We have This is a good group of people to be a part of, and I want people to find out about it. But at the same time, I don't want them to come in here so we can have more people. I want them to come in here because they can meet Jesus here. And they can learn what it looks like to follow him. So we can put our name, personally name, or our church name, uh, above other people. But let's, let's go on to point number two. Because when we see the disciples, they're not only wrestling with this, our name over his, they're also wrestling with this, our name over others. Our name over others. Uh, this is Mark 9, 38 through 41. Let me read this to you. Uh, John said to him, one of the disciples, one of the guys who was on the mountain with Jesus and, and got to experience that heaven on earth moment. Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. Take note of that, right? And we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Don't stop him, said Jesus, because there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name who, cannot, who can soon after speak evil of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ. Truly, I tell you, he will never lose his reward. So imagine this. Nine of the disciples were at the foot of the mountain trying to drive out a demon, couldn't do it. Then they run into this guy out and about who's driving out demons, doing what they couldn't do, and says he's doing it in the name of their leader. Now, there's this term called salty, and I don't mean actual salt, right? Like That's what's going on. These disciples are upset and embarrassed that they couldn't drive out the demon, then here's this guy who isn't even walking with Jesus every day like them, and he's doing something better. And what do they want him to do? Notice this. We saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. What? It didn't say trying to drive out demons. It didn't say, like, kicking dirt in babies' faces. Like He was like driving out demons, and we tried to stop him. But the question for them became, it was an issue of, of wanting their name above others. Notice he says, we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. He wasn't following us. Jesus shocks them and just says, don't stop him. 
And I think the reason he's doing this is going to lead us to this, this conversation. What Jesus says is that this man was doing the right thing. None of us would argue that. The disciples wouldn't have argued that. It's good to help these, to, to, to work to drive these demons out. That's good. He was doing the right thing, and he was doing it in the right name. Right things in the right name. This is the way we follow Jesus. But what we're seeing in the text and what we've seen and what I've seen in my life is that we can we can butcher this two ways. First off, we can do the right thing for the wrong name. We can do the right thing for the wrong name. You can serve in our nursery today and hold these little babies. And you can do it because you want an attaboy. You want these mamas to think you're awesome and so helpful. I can stand up here and preach, not because I want to see life change in your heart or I want to share what God has for you. I can stand up here and preach because I want you to think I'm really smart or funny or dumb. I don't know whatever your opinion is. <laughs> like I can, I can do that for I can do the right things. I can open up God's Word and I can share it with you. We can invite our neighbors to church. We can spend time with them. But if we're doing it for the wrong name, if we're doing it for the wrong motives... We're no better than the, the wide receiver who's, who's just lying through his teeth saying that God's the one who he wants to have the glory. And my prayer is that Lindsay Lane East is not a place um, of that. But not only can we do the right thing for the wrong name, we can also do the wrong things for the right name. I don't know if you knew this or not. Even Hitler used Christianity in the name of Jesus to sell the Holocaust to the, to the German people. The mistreatment of millions of people so obviously goes against the teachings of Jesus, but he did it in his name, at least at the beginning. But not just a mistreatment of the Jews. Christians have systematically mistreated other people groups over the years. In the Crusades, we mistreated the Muslims through uh, some awful, awful dark times in our early uh, time here on this continent. The church did awful things to Native Americans in an effort to make them more holy. Still today, if you go to South America, or South America, South Dakota, it's hard to do ministry on the reservations because there's a mistrust of the church. Right? But we did it in the name of Jesus. Isn't that all that matters? No, because we must do the right thing. In recent years, it hasn't stopped. People calling themselves Christians have attacked people today in the name of Jesus. We've seen bombings on abortion clinics and the mistreatment of people who choose a lifestyle different and one that we think is sinful. And all, we do all that, or people have done all that in the name of Jesus. Church, we can do the wrong things in the right name. So when I lay those two out for you, let me just ask you, which one sounds more dangerous to the church? I mean, I got my opinion. I think it's the second one. I think it's the second one. I mean, yes, the first one for sure. If we as the people of God are doing the right thing, but we're doing it in the wrong name, that for sure is wrong. But when we start doing the wrong things, when we start hurting people, when we start doing some of the things that Christians have for years done, and we're claiming we've got a Jesus t-shirt on, a cross around our neck, and a Bible in our hand, we're doing irreparable damage to the kingdom of God apart from His Spirit moving beyond 
what we could do. The most prevalent thing right now, I believe the, the most prevalent wrong thing in the right name that I know I've struggled with, and you may struggle with this too, is how we bicker and fight amongst one another as Christians. We get in arguments at work with other Christians about theology or church decisions. And we do it in front of unbelievers. Church, what are we doing? We'll fuss and make fun of other churches in our area who choose to do things a little different from us. In front of unbelievers. I ask again, church, what are we doing? What is accomplished by doing these wrong things in the right name. For way too long, Christians have argued and fought for all the wrong things. This is a cliche statement. I've heard it said a million times in the last few years. But we're known way more for what we're against than what we're for. And right now, Right now, there are churches meeting all over the place, and they don't believe what we believe about certain things. But it ain't primary issues, guys. It ain't things worth fighting over. It ain't things worth arguing over. Guess what? They worship a little bit different than us. They got different instruments or no instruments on the stage, whatever it looks like. But they're worshiping the same Lord that we worshiped this morning and that we continue to worship. And if that's the case, if the blood of Jesus was enough to die for all these other people, and if they're clinging to the gospel of Jesus Christ as their church, now there may be some differences outside of that. But guys, we, we've got to take care of one another. We've got to find places of unity in the name of Jesus instead of division. It would be good to remember the words of Jesus here. Whoever is not against us is for us. You see, Jesus died for all of us. The disciples were having this battle because they saw in another leader something that they couldn't have, that they weren't good at, or something that they had failed at. And they allowed it to divide them and try to affect the kingdom of God. We must not be divided in this place and between our brothers and sisters at other churches. Because Jesus shed his blood, not just for Lindsay Lane East, not just for people that I align with theologically, but for all the world. And for so many of these people that are in these churches, we need to, we need to find common ground to talk about what we're, what we're together on. And so I'm going to leave you with two questions. Two questions that I've wrestled with this week and I'll continue to wrestle with the next week. Whose name are you living for? When you're making decisions, when you're, when you're living your life day to day, whose name is it that's the driving force, the focus of your decision making? Is it the name of Jesus or is it your own? Are you making decisions that are going to drive your name to be great and not Jesus. And the second question, are you allowing Satan to use you as a stumbling block for other people? This is that wrong, right things in the wrong name, wrong things in the right name. And all of us are 
are guilty of those in different different ways. But I encourage you today to think about those two things, right things in the wrong name, wrong things in the right name. Which one of those do you struggle with the most? And let's repent of that today. Repentance is a beautiful thing, church. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Repentance says, God, I'm making a mess. Pastor just opened up the word. I feel the conviction. See, conviction's not repentance. If you feel bad today, work's not done. Okay? <laughs> that's not repentance. If you feel bad today, that's called conviction. If God revealed a, a weakness of your heart, God revealed a weakness of the way that you're living your life, that's conviction right now. And the way that we respond to that is through repentance by saying, God, you've revealed this to me, and I've got to give this to you and start doing things your way. God, help me. I'm repenting of that. I'm turning from the way I've been doing what I've been doing, and I'm asking you to lead me now. I did that when I was seven years old when I first trusted in Jesus, and I have to do it regularly. <laughs> Say, God, I'm making a mess of my life. Turn me back to you. And I'm just crazy enough to think he will and that he'll use you in incredible ways this week. We're going to sing a song to close out here, a song that you'll, you'll be familiar with if you've been in church three times probably in your life. <laughs> Amazing Grace. Uh, and then we'll throw in that my chains are gone piece. Um, but we're, uh, but I, I want to ask you today those two questions. Whose name are you living for? And is, is Satan using you as a stumbling block to keep other believer, uh, non-believers from trusting in Jesus? Are they seeing you um, in, in a negative light? And so also, as always, uh, just as I said, um, Christ died for all the churches around here, even the ones that don't look like us. Christ died for you. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I need you to know today before you leave that, that you can respond in faith to him today and your life can be changed forevermore as mine was and like so many other people in this room. And so uh, we're going to sing this song. Words are going to be on the screen. But I always, I'm going to go back at the back on the right, on your left side of the uh, sound booth back there. If you need to come talk to me about any next steps, anything that God's stirring in your heart about, prayer you need, I'm just going to be back there at the back. We'll also, as always, we'll... You're welcome to come here and pray. You can pray right where you are or pray um, here at the altar for the people in your life, for, for your own needs or for the needs of others. But I'm going to pray. We'll all stand and sing and respond how you need to, okay? Father, we thank you, God, for the, uh, the word today. And uh, God, for these disciples, God, who just frankly blow it a lot and say really, really goofy things. And God, that does bring encouragement to me, God, knowing that even those who walk most closely with Jesus were still messed up. But God, I pray that in my own heart, God, I don't use that as an excuse to sin, but God, that I, I allow your spirit to lead me to repentance. And God, I continue to come back to you over and over and over again, God, asking you to help me walk this life. God, help me to be a good dad. God, help me to be a good husband. God, help me to be a good pastor, a good friend, a good neighbor, a good member of my community, to be a good Christian. Because, God, I know apart from you, I, I, I make a mess of it. So, God, today, whatever you've placed in the hearts of these people who have gathered, God, I pray that you'd lead us to a place of repentance of the things we need to. God, lead us to encouragement where we need it. And, God, that we would all leave this place, uh, God, with a better understanding of how you've called us to live our lives according to the name of Jesus Christ. God, uh, speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's stand and let's sing.